Hello, welcome to Second Take. My name is Ryan and I'm here with Roland today. We're getting ready to talk about some great stuff that's happening in the NBA. We're going to start off with a couple of the recent trades, some of the bigger names, including Bradley Bill, Chris Paul, Kristaps Porzingis, and then we're going to end it with some draft stuff. So we're going to hop right into it and getting started. We're going to talk about the most recent trade, which was between the Atlanta Hawks and the Utah Jazz. The Atlanta Hawks gave the Utah Jazz John Collins in exchange for a first-round pick and Rudy Gay. Roland, what are your initial thoughts on this trade? It was a first or was it a second-round pick? Oh, it was a second-round pick. Second-round so, pick. My thoughts on this trade as a Jazz fan is awesome. I really like this trade. I think Collins, uh, they were trying to... Atlanta was trying to use him kind of as like a bargaining chip for a bigger piece. And that after shopping him around for a year, it just kind of didn't happen. And it was almost as if it was an episode of Pawn Stars. You know, the oh, best yeah, this, we can do is Rudy Gay and a second round pick. Yeah, this dude has been in trade talks for so long. It's been multiple years we're talking about. It wasn't just all of a sudden he got traded. Like, no one was surprised when this happened. I was surprised that we got him for that cheap. Uh, yeah, exactly. We gave this him really, nothing. We literally gave him nothing. This really feels like a salary dump from Atlanta's perspective. Just because they're a team in the luxury tax who wasn't that competitive. They were a playoff team, but not a contender. So I assume that had a lot to do with what happened here. Yeah, I think, I mean, Collins at his best is just really a rim threat. He's like a 6'9", 6'10", lob threat. And... While that probably doesn't work for Atlanta, because let's be honest, they're playing two point guards and drafted a point guard. Uh, they might roll out five point guards next year, but <laughs> they, like you said, they probably just wanted to get rid of some salary. Uh, I still am surprised this is the best offer that they got for the kid, though. Yeah, I mean, they. the thing is, too, I don't think anyone with his contract, just because he has been underperforming for what his contract is, I don't think they really could have gotten anything for him except for getting rid of him in a salary dump, salary, salary relief. I do think him going to the Jazz is actually good for him. If I'm John Collins, I'm happy seeing what the Jazz were able to do uh, with Will Hardy and... Lowry Markkinen kind of showing Lowry Markkinen had more to offer. And I'm not saying John Collins is going to be an all-star or anything, but he has yeah. had year, a year where he averaged 20 and 10, shot 40% from three. I think he can be closer to that player. I mean, he'll have the opportunity to be something like that. So I think he can, in a way, revive his career, maybe be somewhere where he's wanted. So I think this could be a good situation for Collins, and the Hawks are now going to, get a chance to play their younger dudes. And I don't think, honestly, they'll take too much of a hit, especially with Quinn Snyder's their new head coach and they're getting all these new things in place. Yeah, I, I think they were just trying to get out of that second apron of the luxury tax so that they mm -hmm. don't have to spend the extra $100 million, uh, on this guy's salary. Um, the thing that I'm interested to see as a Jazz fan is how Collins kind of impedes on the development of some of our draft picks that we had this year. 
we went, we drafted a power forward high with the ninth overall pick. Um, maybe this aids him to kind of like work himself into the rotation instead of being thrust into maybe a bigger role too fast. I will be interested to see how this kind of affects the development of our younger guys. Yeah. I honestly, I don't think it will affect our young guys that much just because of how young they are. Like Taylor Hendricks is 19 years old. And if there was a guy who you wanted him to try to mold into, I think John Collins is a good guy to have ahead of him. And if he can pick up some of his offensive skills along the way, um, I, I do like it because Collins has three years left on his deal. Hendricks will be 22 by that time, 23. And so we'll really be starting to get an idea of what he's like. And if he gets better than Collins, so be it. We can get rid of Collins at some point, uh, the Jazz. But uh, if not, then you know Collins will be there ahead of him. But I think Hendricks still has a chance to advance, especially with him being so young. Do you think this kind of helps the Jazz solidify a playoff spot, or do you think it really doesn't move the needle much? I don't think they're solidified yet. I think they need a starting point guard on their team uh, to really get them uh, in a comfortable, possibly like 7, 6, 5 area, because they have the potential to be there right now. I don't think they're quite there. They're still in a playoff or a play-in range for me, just because I don't see... THT, Colin Sexton being their starting point guard right now um, for that team to be that good. Or even Keontae George isn't going to start right now. I don't know. What were you thinking in terms of where they stand at the moment? I think this definitely puts them into the plan. I think you're looking at kind of the, the outside looking in the ninth seed. Mm. And um, I could be wrong. I mean, this past year, we definitely exceeded expectations. Uh, granted, it was the year of tanking, so who knows if our early year success was warranted because there were other teams that were in the tank for Wemby sweepstakes. Yeah. But, you know, if we hadn't really made that trade at the trade deadline, we probably would have been in the play-in, um, and it would have screwed up Danny and just plans. But uh, I don't know. I, I want to lean towards yes. I want to lean towards that kind of play in anywhere from the 10th to the 7th seed. Um, I do think our biggest hole, like you said, is just the point guard position. Um, whether Abaji fills that role, I mean, he's more of a two. Yeah, I think he's a wing. Can't, can't really have Clarkson run the point. He's a, he's a bucket getter. He will not. The guy, I love watching the guy play, but he... He would shoot over a double team before pass. So yeah. that's not a great facilitator to get the offense started. I don't know. Yeah, and here's the thing. The Jazz still have at least 20 mil or so in cap space at the moment to make something else happen. Either they sign someone or make another trade. But, I mean, if you look at the team last year, they were too good. So Danny Ainge decided, let's get rid of Conley, Beasley, Vanderbilt. And then they were still winning games. And so they resorted to, okay, well, we're going to rest Markin in. And then Clarkson and Sexton, you guys aren't going to play. So I just think if you're playing Markin in, Kessler, you're not trying to tank. You're going to be playing all your guys. I think 
there's a good chance that they are competitive, but I think it kind of like I mentioned, it depends if they can get a point guard to go along with that. Um, Definitely an and, exciting year uh, yeah. for Jazz fans. Um, I'm excited personally. I was excited last year, and we didn't really push hard for much. I do think this year, playoffs is definitely not outside of the realm of possibility, and uh, it really is just one spot that they fill, and they'd probably be in that competitive uh, range. It's true. You got the young guys uh, through the draft, the trade, and then the other guys who are returning, who are you're hoping can just make another step uh, for this next season which should be one of the more fun teams to watch, even though who knows how many people will watch them because they're from Utah and no national TV games last year. But for the league pass people who are diehard basketball fans, that might be a team to tune into. So, okay. And then let's move on to the next trade. Let's see what we got here. Um, This one really surprised me just because of what Boston did. So this one had the Celtics, the Grizzlies, and the Wizards. Christoph Porzingis accepted his player option, opted in, and he's moving to Boston. And uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are adding Marcus Smart, and the Wizards are getting Tyus Jones from the Grizzlies. What were your <laughs> initial thoughts on this trade? And the Celtics also got two first-round picks from Memphis? Um, initially, I was like, what just happened? Why Why did Memphis make this trade? Well, the Wizards are getting fleeced again. Let's be honest. Out of all the, all the trades that have happened, the Wizards have lost. So, <laughs> it really feels like that. Uh, they're just trying to say, okay, we're going to take it up the butt. We... Uh, we got to rebuild, and it's now's the time. And they're paying; they're getting pennies on the dollar back for their assets that they have, and it's hard to watch. I'm not a mm-hmm. Wizards fan. The Wizards have always sucked. I mean, I only ever remember them in the playoffs when John Wall was healthy, maybe one season. Yeah, only um, like two, three years, not that often. But man, it's just tough. After last summer, compared to what, as a Jazz fan, what the Jazz got for their two cornerstone pieces you know i don't necessarily think porzingis and beal is that far off as a package mm-hmm. from gobert and mitchell mitchell's a better player than beal i personally would take porzingis over gobert um if not just for the contract honestly yeah so it's tough to watch man the wizards man I guess they're just saying, whatever, screw it. We just want to build through the draft now. And good for them because they are not they weren't going anywhere anyway. But it's tough to see what other people were able to get. And I just wonder, I wonder if the market changed that much in the last year where first-round picks, teams, the new CBA has made it so teams do not want to give those assets up as easily as they used to because the Wizards are just getting – all these second round picks back and then some salary fillers. I mean, this trade just looks like getting Ty's Jones for basically shipping out Porzingis. They just didn't want to, they wanted to get, to get something instead of nothing because it sounds like teams were ready to offer Porzingis 
and that he would have just walked. And so yeah. I guess they wanted a point guard, a younger point guard who has a chance to prove himself as a starter. Uh, the thing that really threw me off in this trade was when Marcus Smart went to Memphis. And it's not that Memphis wanted Marcus Smart, because I can totally see why they might want a player like that. It was the fact that Boston was willing to give him up. He's been part of their core for such a long time, and now he's just... They gave him up for Porzingis, which is an interesting fit. Like, I don't even think it's guaranteed to work. So, Fair. Yeah, I think... I honestly like this on the side of the Celtics. Um, if I'm the Grizzlies, I'm kind of like, okay, Marcus Smart's maybe a Tony Allen type. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually have similar career paths. They were both drafted by Boston, traded at the same age to Memphis. Hopefully it works out for them. I personally think the Celtics were kind of like, okay, Marcus Smart took a dip this year. And with players that play defense like that, play that physical – their careers are definitely on the shorter side. Mm-hmm. I think the Celtics sold Marcus Smart at peak value for what they were going to get, especially because they got two first-round picks and Porzingis out of it pretty much for giving up Smart. It's true. They didn't uh, really give up anything else. So Porzingis adds a little bit more uh, versatility on offense on the big side. Al Horford's aging. Um, he's maybe got one or two years left in him as a quality role player but now you can move him to your bench uh he no longer has to start and be your starting center um and Derek white i think has a big role in this it's true you had a loaded backcourt with jalen brown Derek white marcus smart malcolm brogdon you know, there was a lot of talent at the position, and I think they just kind of gave up Marcus Smart, who I personally think is the worst out of those three, mm. um, especially come playoff time. Because he, he's just not a good scorer. He can't really – I mean, he could facilitate pretty good. I mean, probably out of everybody was the best passer on the, the Celtics uh, this playoffs. But I think they kind of looked at it and said, we have Derek White, we have Malcolm Brogdon. And we have Jalen Brown, and out of necessity, we don't necessarily need another guard. They feel more depth where they were lacking. So I like the trade. Yeah. I mean, and I I can see it from the Boston point of view that you're bringing up. Derek White made an all-defensive team. I mean, him and Brogdon, they can still facilitate and pass as they're not super selfish or anything i just think the biggest thing boston's losing in this trade is the leadership of marcus smart and that's going to have to be made up probably through their stars in tatum and brown since they're the guys who have been there they're getting a little older um i think that was marcus smart's more, most valuable asset to this team and my biggest question with the porzingis fit is not offensively i mean he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands he's going to be um, a floor stretcher who's an elite shooter. I think he'll fit in fine on offense. It's My biggest question is in the playoffs on defense, is he going to be able to fill that Al Horford role that we've seen? Because Horford will still play and get minutes, but can Porzingis stay with the dudes on the perimeter if he's playing at least with Robert Williams um, to stay on the floor? Or is he going to have to play center in the playoffs? And then you're going to have to have someone else at the four. That's my most interesting take looking at this situation. Um, So I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. 
I think what this does is it allows you to preserve Horford, play him less minutes in the regular season than he had to this year. Yeah. And then kind of rely on him with Porzingis in the playoffs more. Robin Williams, man, he had probably one of the most disappointing seasons out of all the players. Uh, after coming off of that finals run, he was looking like a real a, a real valuable lob threat and, yeah. and uh, interior defender. He just kind of fell off the face. He needs to stay healthy. He kind of gets all these small injuries that keep him out for this amount of time and then this amount of time, kind of what I've noticed with him. And that also might be why they added Porzingis is because just for Horford and Williams to have less mileage on their legs throughout the season. I do like this because of that. Cause mm-hmm. uh, it's not like Porzingis is a schmuck on defense. I mean, the guy averaged one and a half locks. Yeah. He's just a rim protector. Size. Yeah. He's so big. So I don't think they're going to take that big of a dip defensively, especially because they have players like smart white, you know, that can, play really good perimeter defense i think what you need to be looking at is a big question mark around the celtics will be jason tatum and Mm -hmm. how he takes the leadership role yeah this team will go as far as he goes right and we've seen that they they basically hit a roadblock every single year in the eastern conference finals um and you know they made one push to the finals uh, because Jimmy Butler decided to shoot a three and not go to the rim. Oh, yeah, I remember that. But, you know, this team needs to decide, can we trust in the leadership of Jason Tatum? Because there's no excuse. I mean, you have uh, an all-star, an all-NBA guard running companion in Jalen Brown. Whether or not they're going to fully extend them for three hundred million or not, the remains to be seen. It's a lot of money, man. A lot of money, especially if you're not winning. It's a lot of money. But then you have a player like Derek White that makes a crazy leap last year. Then you add Porzingis, who's who's made an All Star team, mm-hmm. you know, and you have quality probably had his best years. season last year. Yeah, his best season last year. Yeah. it was on Washington. Yeah, so the played. Wizards. So, kind of under valued there for that season but i think this was a great trade for boston this could come back to bite me in the butt it only doesn't work if porzingis isn't healthy um yeah that's about it basically yeah i think it was a great trade yeah i mean and switching this up the perspective a little bit looking at it from memphis's side i actually really like this trade because they gave up their own first this year which went to boston which was 25 boston traded back from that pick um Memphis didn't really need to add more young players this year. Uh, and they gave up a future sure. first. I assume it won't be that high either. Um, but they just got another adult and an adult who yeah. has winning experience and a dude whose voice was heard on a good team. And his voice should be heard by this team too. If it's not, then you got a problem with the guys you have in that locker room. But he should bring mostly just his leadership value to this team to hopefully help straighten them out a little bit, give them a clear path of where they need to go and what it takes to be successful and to be good. Um, and he'll get to fill in that starting point guard spot for the first 25 games. Jaw's out. Hopefully he can be a good mentor to Jaw. 
but I think this was honestly a win for the Grizzlies as well because they just gave up Tyus Jones for Marcus Smart, gave up those two picks, but I think I think it's a good trade for them. Yeah, I mean, Memphis is in an interesting position because they have so much young talent, and yet they also have a lot of draft capital. Mm-hmm. So I guess giving up two first, like you said, it's not that big a deal for them. I was just surprised that was the price they paid to get Marcus Smart um, and that none of those picks went to Washington. Washington, yeah. <laughs> but the Boston. I'm more Who already got was, Porzingis. Yeah. I was more worried. I was more thrown off by where the picks went, not that they were spent. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, I probably just piggyback off of what you said. It's not like, it's not like Marcus Smart's like a game changer on the court. I mean, he can be in spurts. He's a good defensive but player for sure. Hopefully, he does fill the leadership role that they need on that team, uh, and also kind of helps um, the during the twenty-five games that John Morant's going to be suspended. Right? Yeah. So they gave up. I, I do think personally, Tyus Jones is a better player than Marcus Smart. I think mm-hmm. it's criminally underrated, but uh, Marcus Smart does have more of that leadership aspect to him. Yeah, and I think his role on this team will be more like a Draymond Green in Golden State, where his value is his leadership and his defense, talking to everyone, communicating, being at the right place at the right time. I mean, he did win, not this last deep defensive player of the year, which was Jaron Jackson, who is on Memphis, but he won the year before that. And, I mean, he wasn't even all defenses last year, which was interesting, but there's no way he's fallen off that far of a cliff defensively so i think that'll still be valuable to have even those two on the court at the same time um for memphis and i think this at least gives them a chance in a play playoff series for example plus all their young guys are a little bit older so if they can overcome the recent drama that they've had this last season um i think there's good chance that they can be at least take a step further than they have last year so I agree with you. I mean, they've kind of just been stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, they they make a great push during the regular season. Uh, they've been in the top two seeds the past two years. Uh, and then they just kind of fan out during the playoffs, you know. We yeah. saw against the Lakers. saw it against the Warriors. Against more of these veteran experienced teams uh they just can't match the intelligence it seems like and hopefully marcus smart kind of can bring a little bit of that to memphis and i watch out if that's the case yeah i agree i mean and looking at this from the wizards side again i mean the best haul that they probably got out of all the trades they made in my opinion was from the uh golden state warriors trade because they at least got a player back who looks like he could be part of their core future and he's getting a, another chance to prove himself jordan Poole. so in that trade they took chris paul who they got from phoenix and they sent him to golden state and in return they got jordan Poole. i believe they got another young player a second who was a second round pick for golden state and they got a protected first um but at least from Washington's perspective, they get to add Jordan Poole, who is a young 20-point-per-game scorer. Uh, he wasn't as efficient last year, 
or as good as he was the year before, year prior. I think he he was a, he's a high volume scorer, and he definitely has some potential that he flashes uh, with some of the moves he makes. Just sometimes you question his basketball IQ, his shot IQ. Um, so hopefully he can figure out there, but he's going to be the main go-to guy. So he might score 30, and he might not shoot that good, but you're hoping if you're a Wizards fan or from the Wizards' perspective that he can get that figured out. Yeah, he'll fill seats for sure, at least the first 20 games of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be one of those guys who's low, you know, high-volume scorer on a bad team. Uh basically what Bradley Beal has been for the past couple of years. Yep. Um, I mean, I think this really was the best trade that the the Wizards made. This is probably the only one that they won. It's kind of how it feels. Yeah. I don't like the trade for Golden State. Uh, I do think Jordan Poole could be a, a key piece on a rebuilding team that wants to suck but still be entertaining. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect definitely. player. It's a bigger role. He gets to shoot. Yeah. Gets to shoot from half court all he wants. You know. Gets to do all the fun stuff he likes to do. The the tween tween cross hezzy thirty footer. You know. He get, he gets his chance to show that he's like Steph again. So he'll score twenty five points on twenty five shots. You know what I no. mean? But. uh I think it's really interesting on Golden State side. I don't know why they made this move. My biggest guess is it has a lot to do with why Atlanta traded John Collins. So the number one reason why I think is so they could get lower on the luxury tax area because Chris Paul has one year left on his deal. It's somewhere between 30, 25, 30 mil this year, which is less than what Poole was slated to make. Um, but then he's off the books after this year. So whether they keep him on a cheap deal or they use that money elsewhere, they're going to drop their team salary significantly. And I think this is just one of many tough moves we're going to see from teams in terms of having to give away players. Because it looks like with this new CBA that the more and more luxury tax you're paying, the harder and harder it is to just do anything with your roster outside of minimum contracts. Like... You can't buy draft picks from other teams. You can't uh, do use your mid-level exemption to sign a vet. Like you can't sign buyout buy players. It just restricts you a lot. So I think that's the main reason Golden State did it. I also do like it a little better from a basketball perspective and then contending because Chris Paul's a little more veteran. And even though he doesn't exactly fit their play style, I think he's a smart enough player that he's willing to make it work, especially at this point in his career. Um, And he just adds more kind of adult to the room, a little more leadership that like weird tension between Draymond and Jordan Poole is gone. So that's, that's why I think Golden State made the trade. And that's why I think it will help them at least for this season in terms of contending. Yeah. I, I mean, the only reason I really see it is because of the whole tension with Draymond. Mm-hmm. I think they're looking to sign him, give it one more go, uh, one more shot at a championship. And with Jordan Poole there, 
Draymond Green wasn't going to take less than thirty million a year. <laughs> Not less than Jordan Poole. Yeah, no he way. He wasn't. No, he wasn't doing that. With him gone, you can kind of maybe sign him to a more team-friendly deal, at least up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really do think this was a play to keep Draymond Green. Now, whether or not they keep him is remain to be seen. I don't see him going anywhere, but uh, this move, in my opinion, was to say, hey, we value you more than we value Jordan Poole. Yeah. That, would, and, that probably means a lot to him. Yeah, and clearly Golden State still thinks they have a championship window, too, or else they wouldn't be so interested in keeping Draymond. And especially because it sounds like Draymond's getting attention from other teams around the NBA. And from everything I understand, he's going to talk to these other teams at least, entertain them, see what's out there for him. Uh, Sounds like the rumors are uh, Sacramento is a team. Portland, just because Dame really likes Draymond. Um, And then Detroit, which that one doesn't make much sense to me. But they have money, so... Yeah, if they're willing to spend it, that's the other thing with the new CPA, is I think it was you have to spend at least ninety percent of the salary cap, um, or else you get taxed, kind of like luxury tax. So teams are gonna have to have higher payrolls than they have in the past. So that's really my only thinking why Detroit would want him. I do think ultimately though he lands back in Golden State. Yeah, none of those other deals, unless it's purely about money make much sense from a basketball standpoint. I could see Sacramento mm-hmm. making a lot of sense because they have a lot of shooters. They're young. They play a fast pace, right? He could easily plug in there, play alongside Sabonis, play alongside Fox and Murray and Barnes and all the other talent and the plethora of talent that they have. Um, Portland, Damon Green would be an interesting one-two punch. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Detroit, that's literally just the money. It's just for the money. Yeah, I mean, he, it, he'd he be like a coach kind of trying to teach all the young guys stuff. Yeah. Because that team, they're, they, they're fighting for a playoffs or a play-in spot next year. That should be their goal. So that doesn't really sound like where Draymond should be to me. That's why Sacramento would make sense. But kind of like you said... That might just gonna, be a money yeah. thing. Are you going to make more, though, in Sacramento than you are in Golden State if you're Draymond Green? I don't know. I think it depends what they offer him because I don't think anyone really knows the number Golden State's willing to pay yet because Golden State may can't come out and be like, hey, we'll match your contract with Steph, so we'll go, I don't know if it's two or three years, but we'll go two, three years, or two years player option, we'll go 25 mil a year, right? And maybe Sacramento comes in and they're able to offer more than that. And he can use that as leverage with Golden State to either get more money or just walk. So That's what I ultimately end up seeing. Any offer that is made to Draymond Green from one of these teams is probably an attempt to stranglehold the Golden State into paying more yeah. uh, than they need to. For Draymond Green. Yeah. Um, the Sacramento one is interesting too to me because they almost kind of got a little rivalry going on after that seven game series. Like it's nothing crazy yet, but I think if you give it another year, especially if they meet in the playoffs again, 
I think that has a chance to become something. So that's another reason why I think it'd be a little weird if Draymond went there, especially because literally the offseason before he was kind of trashing on Sacramento. But you never know. So, And they're right across the street, so wouldn't have to do much. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, then overall, I do think the Warriors lost that trade. Um, and this was the only trade that made sense for the Wizards. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yep. I mean, going back to the Wizards, I mean, this all started when they got rid of Bradley Bill, who they basically got, I don't know, four or five second round picks for, and Chris Paul, which they flipped for Jordan Poole in that first round pick. Um, and I'm, they couldn't have really gotten anything else for him just because he had that no trade clause and he could control everything sent out and back in the deal. Yeah. So for Washington, once they signed him to that contract, it was just a losing situation. I don't think they could have gotten anything out of that anyways because um, I don't think Bill would have wanted to leave unless he went to a team like Phoenix, who is looked at as a contender even more so now than they were before. Yeah, the tricky part was that he not only could decide whether or not he wants to be traded, he could decide what he was traded for. You know what I mean? So uh, the real mistake, like you said, was signing a player of Bradley Beal's caliber to Oof. that type of contract. I mean, that, that is the guy even a top 25 player in the NBA? It doesn't feel like he is anymore. I, At the time yeah. of the contract, maybe, but that was even borderline then, so... So this is this type of contract that he was signed onto is reserved for perennial MVP candidates. Guys like Nicole Jokic, guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo, guys like Jason Tatum, right? I yeah. know you will never see a player of Bradley Beal's caliber, you know, get a no trade clause in their contract. It just won't happen. And I think I don't I think it'll be a, another good 10 years or so before we see another player get a contract like this because a it kind of holds the organization's hands together in terms of being able to get rid of that player like let's say a team signed like jason tatum to that kind of contract and then jason tatum tells boston hey guys i want out but he has that no trade clause boston's screwed and everyone knows it and tatum can say exactly where he goes and so I think teams should be scared of this contract situation after seeing what happened to the Wizards. And there's a reason most guys don't get deals like this. I don't even think LeBron ever got no trade clause in his contract. Like, it just doesn't happen that much. And Bradley Beal, of all people, got it. And it just kind of screwed over the Wizards and it set him back a couple of years. Well, it set him back for a long time. Basically, once John Wall went down, they were they were done for and then it's gonna set them back even further because they got nothing in return for the guy the guy yep. is at least worth a couple first round picks and maybe a decent young player they got chris paul who they turned into jordan Poole, which was a good move yeah um second round pick, a billion seconds yeah and then a couple of pick swaps you know what i mean so it's it was not the haul that they were expecting or hoping for. Granted, Bradley Beal is probably not worth the haul that they were hoping to get out of the guy. But yeah, definitely more than this. 
Yeah, like you said, they should have been able to get a young guy, maybe two first-round picks. But instead, they turn Beal, Porzingis. They're going to lose Kuzma and free agency. Then to one top 20 protected first-round pick in like 2029 or something, and then just a bunch of seconds. And that's all they have to show for. So kind of a little – no, it's very underwhelming if you're a Wizards fan. Uh, just to see these trades go down. And then you see... Brutal, man. Yeah. Um, what are you thinking about Phoenix, though, in terms of being able to contend this year and in the future? Part of me wants to say, I don't know if they're going to be any better. Another part of me wants to say, okay, they're maybe the best team in the West. Second best, maybe, behind Denver. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It all depends on if they can get a quality distributor to balance things out amongst these guys. Because KD, he's the perfect plug-and-play player. He'll get you 27 on five shots, it feels like. The guy doesn't even have to touch the ball and score 27. You don't even know how it happened. Um, Booker is probably going to take the leap as their best player. This season, that's my bold prediction this year, is Devin Booker will finally crack the like that top 10, maybe mm. be the best player on that team, even yeah. with Kevin Durant there. And in order for them to be where they want to be, I think that has to happen. I think Devin Booker has to be the main dude because Kevin Durant is getting old. He's had a lot, a plethora of serious injuries. And you can really only count on him for about 50 games a year. So I do like this move because hopefully Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant will be injured at the same time. And this can kind of help keep more help for Devin Booker going throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I am not a big believer in the Phoenix Suns. And I think it's mostly because, I mean, Booker and Durant, Prove that they work together, I think, especially in the playoffs last year. When those two are together and they got it going, they are hard to stop. Do not get me wrong. But I think they're very redundant now. Just because Bradley Beal is kind of the same type of player as Booker and Durant. He's not as good as them, but he's going to have to be the third guy who takes a step back too and kind of be more of a catch-and-shoot guy at times and then take the lead whenever... You know, Durant needs a rest, or Durant and Booker aren't out there, then he can kind of go do his thing. But, man, I really I don't believe much in this team. I don't think their defense is going to be that good. Oh, no. Because the lineup with Booker, Beal, KD, Aiden, I mean, that's that's tough. Like, they're going to have to keep on to Kogi and uh, Torrey Craig, um, bring those guys back. I think Kogi might already be back, but... They need a point guard to help distribute the offense, but I don't know how they're going to get the depth. They're going to have to find diamonds in the rough who nobody thought of because I think nowadays it takes more than four players to win just because of the skill level in the NBA. Like I don't think the LeBron James Heat-led team could win in today's NBA just because they didn't have the depth, and I think Phoenix might run into that issue this season. Yeah, you're you're looking at 
the ceiling is definitely, in my opinion, a finals run. And the floor is something along the lines of what happened to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know what I mean? They didn't address the depth. Granted, this is a better fit than what the Lakers had going on. You're talking about the Westbrook-led, the Westbrook Lakers? Okay. Yes. So I don't think they're not going to be that bad. But Yeah, uh, I see them as at least a playoff team. I don't think they'll miss the playoffs. But to be honest, if they lost in the first round to, like, Sacramento or one of these other teams, maybe even if Memphis figures it out, I really wouldn't be surprised. Like... I could totally see Phoenix being a first round and out team just because they don't have the depth. They don't have the players. They have the top end talent, but after that, they're losing every other battle. And your guys can't play 48 minutes a night. We saw that this year. I mean, by the second round, Booker and Durant were gassed. Yep. And that's probably a big part why they ended up losing that series to Denver. And the West, let's be honest, is just an onslaught. There's so much talent. It's not like the East where. You have four really good teams, and then the rest are kind of like, yeah, you know. I guess the Miami Heat kind of proved us wrong this year with that assumption. Um, but you know, nobody's really necessarily looking at the Brooklyn Nets as a true title contender for the East. <laughs> but true. the West, you had the seventh seed in the in the uh, Western Conference Finals, you know, Mm -hmm. that matchup with the Warriors and the Lakers was brutal. Uh, Just so many competitive teams in the The West. The Kings were really good. They they almost got the Warriors, too. Like, the Kings could have been where Golden State was. And, like, yeah, there are a lot of teams in the West who are really good. And if you look at it next year, I don't know if there's a team in the West who's going to be trying to tank or lose i feel like all the teams in the west are at the point where they all want to win right like houston (laughs) okc even san antonio all these teams in the west that were bad this year they have no reason to lose anymore being loaded with all these young players now so i think that's just going to make the west even tougher yeah i definitely think that this was a little bit too risky on part of phoenix not because of the trade right it's weird to say that because if that trade was offered are you really gonna say no no they definitely won that trade still you know what i mean yeah you're not gonna say okay we can get bradley beal for a bag of chips you're gonna do that trade 10 times out of 10 what this does is it kind of strongholds them in because of the cap because Bradley yeah. Beal is making a billion dollars every basketball game that he plays. The dude's making more than Kevin Durant. That's, That's super crazy. max, that, man. Say that out loud. You know what I mean? I don't know. I can't believe I just said that, but it's true. Hey, I feel like the super max was bad for the NBA. I think the super max has the ability to completely screw teams over. I know it was meant to meant to keep players in their current situation but just look at rudy gobert for example he didn't take the full supermax but he got part of the supermax and he got moved bradley bill i think he got the full supermax with a no trade clause and he got moved 
I just think we're going to see examples in the future and continue to see this of teams getting held down because of these ginormous contracts that take up so much of the team cap. Like, I, I think it's really hard to work around. I agree, man. And the Celtics have a decision to make. Jalen Brown. Jaylen Brown. Right? Yep. Now, Jalen Brown's a better player than Bradley Bill. Mm-hmm. No one's saying that. But are you really going to pay Jalen Brown a number two? $300 million? Oof, man. Like, like you said, Supermax was supposed to be a tool in the arsenal of smaller market teams to keep on to their talented players so that they don't always just go to L.A. Yep. But my my point is, is then you sign a guy to the Supermax who's not a Supermax player. How many Supermax players are there in the NBA? That's That's the thing. And if you're asking me, I don't think there's more than 10 dudes worth it. There's maybe six or seven guys worth the highest value of contract in the NBA, and that's where the list begins and ends, not guys like Bradley Bill, Rudy Gobert, or Jalen Brown. So Exactly, dude. <laughs> so you've got 40 players that have supermaxes, it feels like. you got at least 20 dudes out here with supermaxes. Only five of them are worth it. Let's be honest. you got Giannis, Steph, Jokic. Yep. Um, Dame might else, have got one from Portland. Who else has won a championship recently? Ooh, recently? Kawhi never got one. Kawhi never got one. He's also been injured perpetually forever. So He doesn't deserve one if he asks for one. No. So he, right? he couldn't get one anyways, though, because you have to... That's also another thing is it matters if you get All-NBA or, like, Defensive yeah. Player of the Year MVP... So you also have to be winning those awards to be able to get the contract. So not that many people have them yet, but we're going to be seeing them pop up all over the place. So I say, okay, go win a finals MVP and you can get your Supermax. <laughs> That's my criteria. It's a lot of money to not win. Yeah, like you know I was I mean? saying earlier about Boston. It's a lot of money to not win. So it's like, what the crap, dude? Yeah. Um, it's tough because... Are you, you're not going to want, you're not going to just let Shea, you know, Shea Gilders, Alexander, the Thunder, they have a choice coming yeah. up here soon. He makes all NBA like again. Yeah. Right. But it's like, okay, but you've also got a ton of young talent on that team that are going to be needing to get paid. Yeah. You're going to have to start letting dudes go just because he signs Shea for if. three $3 billion. Well, and if we're looking at it too, so the NBA salary cap this year jumped up. I think it's going to be 136 million. That's just the normal salary cap. If you're giving a guy a super max contract, he's making 50 to 60 million dollars. Making almost half. That's 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 a high percentage. You're looking somewhere. I don't know the exact number though. That's got to be from the high 30s to close to 40 percent of your salary cap for one player. That's a lot of money. That's like. We're talking about like QBs in the NFL are like the only position I really see being worth that just because of how valuable that one position is. But in the NBA, you don't really have one position that's worth that much money, you know? You make well, up for it in other, other places. Well, going back to your uh, analogy with the the quarterback salary that where they can take up to the 35% of the cap, 
Yeah. Teams that win, unless you have Patrick Mahomes, one dude. Yep. One guy in the NFL is worth how much he's getting paid. Every other quarterback in the NFL is overpaid. Because it the story always goes. Get paid to a win. Young quarterback, a young quarterback. Yep. On a, on a team friendly deal with a bunch of talent that's good. Mm-hmm. A la Joe Burrow two years ago. A almost. La Hurts this yep. Year. Almost the Eagles. Right. You know what I mean? Those yep. type of teams are always the ones that are in the Super Bowl. And, it's true. and Tom Brady, I mean, Tom Brady, the goat cheese, he's got seven rings. He never took that much of the salary cap. Even the Chiefs, the first year Mahomes won, they did the same thing. He was on that rookie contract. So, so what, like, the blueprint's laid out for you. You can't overpay one player, yeah. especially in today's league. I mean, mm-hmm. if three super, if three all star caliber players can't win you a ring, then overpaying one dude's definitely not the way to go. And nope. you need maybe, balance. Maybe this uh, whole Bradley Beal shebang that just happened to Washington will be a caution or a warning to the rest of the NBA of like, hey, look, I know you're Washington. You know, I know you're Utah. I know you're a small market team like the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm-hmm. Just don't pay the farm to one guy, you know, unless he's freaking Nicole Jokic or Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, I agree, because if you look at Phoenix, the whole point of this new CBA, too, was apparently to stop super teams, one of them. And so Phoenix decided to just get their super team real quick (laughs) before they couldn't do it. And now they have no control over their draft picks till like, 2029. And we're going to see here that they're not going to be able to sign buyout players. They're not going to be able to pay cash for draft pick so you can't just buy a draft pick from someone you're actually going to have to give up something to get a pick can't use their mid-level exemption for teams over the cap trying to give a guy 10 million dollars a vet to sign they can't do that can only sign minimum level players and make trades with salaries that match so honestly the only route i can see to phoenix getting better in the long term especially if this starts to go bad is trading DeAndre Ayton for depth. And I think they're I, don't I mean they're already on their way. Else. Yeah, I think, think they're that's already on their do. way doing that. Yeah, I mean DeAndre Ayton's another perfect example of maybe someone who's getting overpaid. Yep. Um so and the one thing that the Phoenix Suns needed was depth. So the like you said, that's the only move they have, and I think they're going to make it. Now, what they get for him, that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. But Aiton's next on the trading block of this crazy trading wheel that is the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I mean, if they're smart, in my opinion, that's what they're, they'll do. Um, from the reports, I understand it doesn't sound like they might not trade him just because Frank Vogel, I guess, likes him. But, hey, I just I think he needs to be on the move just like you said, he gets overpaid. It kind of feels like the way the NBA is trending, a lot of dudes are starting to get these really big contracts that they might not be worth. I almost wonder what team is going to be the first team to kind of be stingy and say, hey, you're not worth that. 
you can just walk because you don't see that too often. But with these new financial restrictions on these teams, I wonder if that might become a new normal thing or a new thing where they're like, hey, we're going to trade you before we even extend you just because we know you're not worth what you're going to be demanding. Yeah, and the sad part is it murders the middleman in the NBA, the kind of middle class, so mm-hmm. to speak, in the NBA, the guy that makes that $15 million to $20 million a year. The Draymond Green role. Yep. Where, you know, he's not worth that Supermax or that, you know, 30-plus, 30 $35 million plus a year. But he's not the caliber of player that should be signed on a vet men. You know I mean? He's that perfect kind of Manu Ginobili, Draymond Green type role where they make, you know, that 20 to $25 million a year, 15, anywhere from 15 to $25 million a year. Those contracts yeah. are not going to exist anymore. I think, I think they'll still exist, but it'll just be like, good contracts like those will be contracts that teams seek out in players whether they're trading for a guy long term like i think those will be the contracts teams want but players um probably will have a harder time leaning towards that unless they're a little bit older into their career because all these rookie extensions it seems like recently are getting crazy the contracts yeah that are really high i mean rj barrett's getting over 30 mil too and he's well, he's not bad, but he like you said, he might be the guy who's more so worth the tw- the twenty to twenty five mil instead of the thirty five mil. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at Jordan Poole; he made more than Andrew Wiggins on his recent contract. Or yeah, he's yeah, going yeah. to now. So it's like yeah, he's going to now. So it's like, what is going on? You know what I mean? P- the hmm. teams are, I don't know. It, it's madness in the contract world of the NBA and. Perfect example is like, what's Kuzma going to go for? I know, especially in a weak free agency class. Yeah, right. That guy could be making thirty plus a year. Oof, and and that's that's a lot. Closer to twenty. You know what I mean? I agree with that. Get overpaid by somebody. I'm calling it. Well, speaking of uh, rookie extensions and young players, let's go back and revisit the draft a little bit. It just happened last week. Hasn't quite been a full week yet. Um, let's go with our draft. One draft winner, one draft loser from last week. Um, if you want to start us off with uh, your draft winner. Yeah, so, I mean, outside of the San Antonio Spurs, I think everyone can unanimously agree they won the draft once uh, the lottery ha- happened. Amen. Uh, Amen to that. But I think the biggest winner is kind of uh, maybe a sleeper pick. Maybe not. I'm going with the Houston Rockets. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the Thompson Twins. I think they have a lot of upside just due to their athleticism and their frame. They are a little raw offensively. They have a lot to work on in terms of polishing their jumper, polishing their handle. Uh, But the athleticism and the playmaking is kind of why I can see why they went top five, just due to those two aspects. The Rockets won this draft because of the Cam Whitmore pick. He was a top five, top six uh, prospect in this draft, and they were the one 
team that took a chance on the guy. Now, I, it's a double-edged sword because we've seen Houston the past couple of years just be a crapshoot. Oh, yeah. That culture so, is not there right now. Out of all the teams to pick Cam Whitmore, if I was a Cam Whitmore guy fan, uh, that was probably one of the last teams I wanted to see him go to. Yeah. But definitely the steal of the draft, in my opinion, uh, happened in Houston at pick number 20. And see, if I'm being completely honest, I disagree with you about Cam Whitmore. I like the Thompson pick for Houston. I think they needed a point guard instead of Kevin Porter Jr. I don't see him as a long-term point guard. I see him as an off-the-bench scoring guard. Um, so I like the Thompson fit for them long-term. Um, with his, I think his ceiling is higher. But, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that their pick at 20 for Cam Whitmore was bad. I mean, they're not a good franchise right now. Take a chance on a guy with high potential at 20. It's honestly a good move for them, and I don't blame them for doing it. I just, the more I've looked at Cam Whitmore, I question if he does things to help you win outside of his scoring. Because he could easily be a guy who shows up scores 20 plus in the NBA. But my question is, is he going to be one of those 20 point per game scores that doesn't really help you win? Like, is his defense going to be there? Is his passing going to be there? A lot of teams kind of question his character. So that's going to have to be something that he works on. Apparently. I mean, I don't know the guy, but, um, so that'll be interesting to see. And that's kind of my biggest questions with him. But there is no doubt he's super talented, and if he puts it all together, a lot of teams might be regretting the fact that they passed on him. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of where I'm siding. I think just that there's a lot of talent that they got in this draft, and, you know, with Ime Udoka as their new head coach, we'll, we'll see if that really does anything for them. But, yeah. uh I just, I mean, I can't look past the amount of talent that this kid has, and they were the only team that took a chance on him with out of the first 20 picks. And this guy, like I said, was projected top. He's projected top. So, I mean, they people were saying he was going number five. Yeah, I've seen mocks having him anywhere like four through nine at the worst. So, so my I might not be doing enough of my homework. I just know. From what I see on the tape, he's one talented player. And from in my eyes, they got two lottery picks. And one of them just so happened to be in the 20th. In the 20th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, my draft winner, I'm going with the Portland Trailblazers. Even though they didn't trade their pick, um, I didn't think they should have. I'm still a fan of Portland rebuilding instead of trying to win at the moment. I guess you would say... Um, Got Scoot Henderson at number three, which I think is a great value. He looks like he has the chance to be an all-star. And if you didn't get a chance to make a trade for someone who's an all-star now or who you think Scoot Henderson, if you think Scoot Henderson is going to be better than a guy who you're trading for, you don't trade Scoot Henderson, in my opinion. So they kept him. They didn't find a trade that works. And then their other pick in the 20s, they picked Keegan Murray's twin brother, Chris Murray. 3 and D kind of guy at 20. Cheap contract. Great I really like Fantastic that for them. Point. Teams need guys like him. 
Yeah, that was a heck of a pick as well. Um, I'm a huge scoop guy. I love this kid. I think he's going to be a stud. He's a freak athlete. It seems like he has his head screwed on straight. And I think more than anything, he feels slighted that he wasn't the number one overall pick. Right? He has that kind of delusional confidence that you need in a superstar that says, hey, I don't care about this seven foot four French alien guy. You know what I mean? I'm the best player in this draft. And it kind of, not to the same extent. I'm not saying Scoot Henderson is Michael Jordan. But this reminds me a lot of when Michael Jordan got picked third. Okay, You got Mm. Hakeem Olajuwon. Nobody was questioning whether or not he should go one. You got Victor Wembanyama. Right? Nobody's questioning whether or not he should go number one. Then you have Sam Bowie. Now, I don't think... Brandon Miller is Sam Bowie. He's going to be a solid NBA player. But I think Charlotte pulled the Charlotte again by not taking Scoo Henderson. I think this kid, man, he has that potential to kind of just say, hey, you could have picked me. I mean, I've really noticed in Scoo Henderson, he has that competitive edge, that kind of go-get-it mentality that I'll show you, even if you don't believe in me, that a lot of these star players have. And having that star player kind of mentality, um, that just looks good. And it makes me believe in him to be able to reach his ceiling because he just, the way he carries himself, kind of like you said, it just kind of reminds you of those type of players, those star type of guys. So, yeah, I I I don't think Portland went wrong using that pick. No, that was definitely a good pick. I mean, we we saw it coming. Right? A lot of people were saying Scoot's going to go three. Um, we'll see what they do with it. They have a lot of young talent um, at the guard position, no less. And, you know, there's still Dame there, which kind of has this overlurking presence of we got to win now within the next two or three years. Scoot definitely doesn't fit that timeline, right? Yeah. However, I can see him come out and win Rookie of the Year just because who knows if Wimbanyama is going to play enough games to qualify. Yeah, I mean, don't know what's going to happen in that race. Scoot Henderson, I mean, I assume I would want to play him over Simons um, just because I think he has such a higher ceiling. But Simons is probably another piece Portland needs to move sometime soon it doesn't seem he seems really out of place now um with all that those guards in the backcourt definitely a loaded but yeah portland still has a lot to do um and then moving on who was your loser from this draft my loser kate so they did a fantastic job with their draft picks okay they're not a loser in the sense of the traditional Washington Wizards sense, okay? <laughs> a lot of shade has been thrown at Washington. Might as well throw a little bit more. Um, the only reason I'm going to say the Utah Jazz is because they had a chance. They had a perfect safety net to swing for a home run pick, right? You got your guy at nine. You made a heck of a pick at 28. The guy that we got at 16 fills a need we have, 
right? We need backcourt players. Yeah. Uh, we don't need a point. We need a point guard. Um, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Keontae George was Keontae that George, the player. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a a fit for the Utah Jazz. I am always of the opinion that you should pick best available player. Yeah. To try to work it out. Cam Whitmore was the best available player at pick 16. The only reason why I picked the Jazz over any other team that passed on him is because I'm a Jazz fan. Yeah. Okay. I'm a Jazz fan. That's, that's the only reason why. And I think they did a great job. I can't say that enough with their picks. I just would have loved to see the ballsy move that the Jazz rarely make and take a swing on a home run pick. Yeah. Reminds me of Giannis Antetokounmpo going one pick after. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. it's, it's that type of thing. We never swing for the fence. We never do. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think, and I just want to swing for the fence once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's fair, but I think with Danny Ainge around, there's a lot more opportunity to swing for yeah, the probably. fence. Probably. Um, I mean, I'm personally a big fan of Utah's draft, so I, I just have a hard time um, saying that they're a per se loser. I'm kind of, I'm okay with not getting Cam Whitmore um, at this point. I know he's super talented, but I also see the talent in, for example, because Taylor Hendricks went nine. I don't think most people argue that pick. I mean, his floor is at worst rotational big on a title contending team just because he's a might be the best three and D guy in the draft. Um, and that's his floor. So hopefully he'll be better than that. But I also see Keontae George is having kind of a Jamal Murray like potential as just a guy who can get a bucket. And um, Bryce Sensabaugh is kind of the same thing. I'm just a fan of the Jazz getting guys who can shoot. And they're all 19 years old. So, I mean, it's unlikely that all three of them pan out. I mean, never works that way. But that's why you give yourself the three first-round picks just to find out. And to your point, that's why you wanted to see them pick Cam Whitmore. But yeah. I'm I'm a fan of the guys who they did pick. And, you know, we'll see what happens um, from here on out. But uh, I, think, I think it can be exciting. And also something... I think that's worth mentioning that I heard was uh, the Jazz really believe in Keontae George as he was being the 10th guy on their overall draft board. So at pick nine, they were deciding between him and Taylor Hendricks. And I guess when he fell to 16, there was really no debate who they were going to take. So the Jazz believe in him. You know, we'll see, hopefully see why. Um, and if not, then we might be looking back at it as the why didn't they pick Cam Whitmore? But. We'll see. I mean, hey, look, Cam Whitmore might be another one of those extremely talented yet didn't pan out kind of players. Um, but yeah, I'm not mad at the draft. I just, you know, it's a Jazz fan in me. Why don't hoping that we can get that star? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we already have a good, a good uh, forward in marketing. You know, and yeah. Whitmore wouldn't really play over him. I just. Just thought it would be interesting to take that home run swing. Uh, but who was your loser? Yeah, I mean, my loser who I'm going with was just the Orlando Magic. And the biggest reason yes. why I pick Orlando is I just think they pick picked Jet Howard way too high. And 
if he's a guy who you believe in, I get getting your guy who you want, but they probably could have traded back to get him and got more assets uh, to pick Jet Howard. And, I mean, he's a shooter, and teams need shooting. So, But he just has a lot of other questions, like his defense and his all-around offensive game. Um, and then they also picked Anthony Black at six, which I'm okay with that pick. I like Anthony Black a little more than most people, just because I like I like his ceiling, especially if he can figure out his shot and be at least an average shooter. But now their back court is super crowded, and they're going to have to get rid of a couple of guards because they got Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz already there. So. I mean, I don't know if they're planning on using Black as like a wing, but I see him as more of a lead ball handler. And I like his ceiling better than all those other point guards, but they they have some figuring out to do with that roster. Yeah, they're definitely a loser. There's no question about it. Um, they, may, they, they drafted two point guards in the freaking first round of the <laughs> N- NBA draft, and they already had four. Yeah, two guards one. already. They had four. I mean, they're past like... It's well, yeah. It doesn't make they don't make any sense. The Magic are making zero sense. They lucked into getting Paulo Bancaro, who's going to be a stud. Yeah. And then they're just going to surround them around a bunch of point guards. That looks like what that <laughs> basically looks like what the plan is. You got I mean, Franz Wagner, and you got Paulo Bancaro, and then you have you're going to start three point guards. I mean, what are you doing? Yeah. None of them will get a chance to develop properly because there's five of them now. It was a problem last year when there was three. Now there's five. That doesn't make any sense. Dude. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. I mean, I do. I like their long-term outlook, but in terms of like having a big lineup, like they could have Anthony Black with Wagner and Paulo Bancaro, Wendell Carter at center. Um, but that's like if everything works out perfectly and you're happy with everything. But like you said, young players need men, need minutes, need reps, and they don't have to get you know the starting 30 minutes a night for all players to develop and figure out a role for themselves and figure out who they are. But that just means you're having two or three guys sitting on the bench getting no playing time, right? Yeah. Less coaching, less playing time. So they're not. That's gonna stunt their developments, or so Orlando's gonna have to do something, or else they just ha- they're kind of just wasting their draft picks at this point on guys who just end up riding the bench when if they're not a, yeah. like a star or stand out from day one. So they have to move on from either Suggs or Anthony. Um. My thing is, is, I don't know what kind of value you can get from them in a trade. Yeah. But uh, one of those two, if not both, might be out the door. I'm a fan of moving both. I think yeah. I think you can move Cole Anthony for a vet, someone who can help your young, your young team probably be a wing. And I think you could just get rid of Jalen Suggs for a first-round pick. It'll probably be some type of protection on that pick, but I would just dump him for a draft pick at this point. They already showed that they don't really believe in him. So I, I would move on from both of them. I would keep uh, Markel Fultz 
and hopefully he can stay healthy and then have him and Black kind of run in the one. But that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, well, Fultz is definitely the best player out of the out of the bunch um, right now, right? Yeah. Uh, so you wouldn't want to move on from him because Anthony and Suggs just they didn't pan out, right? I mean, not not everyone does pan out for the like the level of pick that they were used on. I do think Anthony might have a little bit more uh, trade value, like you were saying. Um, but it just yeah. didn't make sense. They're mostly their second pick like in Jet Howard. It's just like why go guard there again? It, and he wasn't even the best player available, right? It's true. It, yeah. It would make more sense if he was the best player available, and he just so happened to be a point guard. He wasn't. So, what are you doing? Yeah, kind of like what you mentioned. You like picking um, best player available over fit. I generally agree with that, unless. Your team is missing one piece, but even then, sometimes, if the player's that talented, gotta go for it. Well, thank you all for joining us today on Second Take. Um, We're going to be posting this a little later than normal, but we'll still get it out there. And then come back and listen to us later if you like what you hear. Thanks for joining us.